Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Jason Brown of the Matt Talk Podcast Network here with another archived episode of Wrestling 411. This one comes from December 15th, 2008. And it was one of three interviews we did this year with the then NCAA Wrestling Committee Chair Brad Traviola. Brad worked at the Big Ten Conference and was a uh, All-American at Northwestern during his career in Evanston. And uh, Kyle Klingman and myself had an opportunity to talk through the new qualifier system, which was put in place for the 2008-2009 season. And Brad was the expert with this. He worked with the NWCA looking through data through the 2007-8 season, looking at, uh, you know, with those current results, how would we figure something out and, and how would it actually work? And what's funny, this all came from the 2007 National Wrestling Coach Association convention that was held in Lake Tahoe. So, you know, this was something that was brought up by the coaches and then they got it put into place. So if you're listening to this now in 2015, remember we were using historical data where, you know, it would depending upon the number of wrestlers you had in the round of 12 on a sliding scale. So, uh, you know, it would take you years to get a number of qualifiers. If you had a bad year, uh, guess what? You're still getting, you know, X amount of guys to the tournament that may not necessarily have quali- you know, deserved to have been there just because of the previous strength of the conference. So uh, it went on current year data. So this, again, is the first of three conversations we had during the course of the year. Uh, this one recorded live at KOG Studios. It was actually our second to last. No, it wasn't quite our second last. It was we were closing out 2008 at KOG, which is the student radio station at Augsburg. Kyle Cleaning and myself making some inside jokes across the front. So we had uh, two more episodes after this. Then we broke into the new year and got our new digs, went on location. So again, Brad Traviola, this was the first of three interviews on Wrestling 411 from December 15th, 2008. Coming to you live, this is the Wrestling 411. Keeping the wrestling community locked down with the latest news and coverage tighter than any pinning combination. This is the 411 Wrestling 411. This is the 411 Wrestling 411. Lightspeed coverage like electrical bolts. We up 24-7 like a heartbeat's pulse. And this the 411 if you want the results. If it happens on the map, then we gotta report. And this is wrestling, man, the realest sport that's around. And if you didn't know about it, this is how it's going down. International coverage to them NCAAs. Everything on demand, and you can have it your way. With the latest recruits, ranking spoken interviews. Who, what, when, and where with the latest on the news. Want a technique tip or something really entertaining? Here's a double like glass that'll keep you motivated. Got you training like a madman, getting it done on how to break him and take him until you make it number one. Coming fresh up off the press, you were about to get some. And on to the wrestling 411. This is the 411 wrestling. 411. This is the 411 wrestling. 411. Welcome to Wrestling 411 Radio. I'm Kyle Klingman. 
joined by Jason Strong to Quite Strong Bryant. Yeah, I'm hogging your microphone time, too. That's pretty cool. Sorry, I just... Uh, Thanks for doing that. Yeah, I, I totally stole your intro. That's cool. I'm all right with that. All right with that? Yeah. We had a great guest last... Absolutely, we did. Thursday. Man, Dave Pacheco. I, and that's what's fun about it, is having someone like that who normally would not be on a program, so to say. They got fifth at the recent California Community College State Championships. Not a, a guy that you would have on traditionally for a program, but when you get a guy like that on there and you hear the passion from Dave Pacheco and you hear what he has to say, it was really fun. I had a blast with it. It was real fun, especially the handlebar mustache. <laughs> uh, awesome. Hot box question. You know, he, he only either had an eight and a half, seven and a half? Uh, it's eight and a half. Something like that. Yeah, Dave's a good guy. It was great to have on the show. Generated a lot of interest from the California Community Colleges. And he was he was actually kind of right. He said he, he didn't know. Well, I don't know if he was right or not. He said he didn't know if Fresno City could maintain the momentum from their regional championship. And, mm-hmm. well, guess what they did? Winning the California Community College Championships 133 to 118, outdistancing second place Santa Ana College. Sierra was third, three points behind Santa Ana. Cerritos was fourth. Sac City was fifth, followed by Lassen. And Shasta, that rounds out the top seven. So a good season. Angel Olay at 125 pounds of Sax, uh, excuse me, of Fresno City was the outstanding wrestler. Paul Keesaw was the coach of the year. Yeah, NCAA champ. Hey. NCAA champ. Not a bad Keesaw. one to have coaching there at Fresno City College. That was fun. And I tell you what, it's Finally, fun. at least you got some real wrestling in Fresno. <laughs> a little jab at uh, dropping Fresno State's program a couple of years ago. You yeah. know about that. Too well, all we, too well. Are we going to have a Bryant rant too early? I don't know. Boy, if we had a Bryant rant this early in the show. Well, you know what? I could go ranting about the weather right now. Today has been one of the absolute worst days I've had since moving to Minnesota. My car won't start. My roommate's car won't start. The other roommate is driving around a car that's definitely not suited for snow. Joe Bush is driving around his buddy's Porsche right now. That thing is not good to exactly have in the snow. So it's And then I couldn't get the car started. The battery's dead. It's like zero degrees. It was eight below yesterday. You know, red faces. I mean, the only thing cool is we get to play with a dog. And then uh, I had to get Kyle to come pick me up in his Ford Focus. So all those Ford Focus jokes I've had in the past <laughs> about my sister having one and, and Mike Dixon also, uh, you know, driving a boy in the bubble car. Those are uh, I, the Focus. It got saved you me today. It saved us. It, it saved the show. It got you here. Klingman saved the show. Well, last week you got me so yazzered. You were fired up last Thursday. Absolutely, man. I had a great day. And on you Thursday. had a uh, an ice white mocha, and I got one today. And I'll tell you what, that was so strong. I've never had anything that strong. I'm kind of bouncing off the walls right You're now. You're bouncing off the walls. I sucked down a Diet Dew right after I had that. I know. So we might be switching roles. I'm, usually, I'm usually the straight man. You're the funny man. Uh, we might be switching today. We're, we're both funny men on this. Well, I mean. I'm like Luke Wilson. You're Owen Wilson. Don't ever call me Owen Wilson. My nose is not that messed up. Okay? I like Owen Wilson. Yeah, he's okay. He's okay. He's good. A lot of wrestling results. A lot of big weekend of wrestling. It involved some, some interesting dual meets. Of course, the California Community Colleges, the Dick Walker Invitational down at Wartburg, yeah, which I had down. a chance to check yeah. out. And it was a good, a lot of good weekend of wrestling, and including uh, Central Michigan laying claim to the basically the, the power yeah. <laughs> in, in the state for the first straight year. Michigan State ain't beating anyone. They barely got past Eastern Michigan a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so. for sure. So Central Michigan, I tell you what, three years in a row they've beat Michigan. It's pretty impressive. Tom Borelli, you were the man. He is the man. Doing a great job. Yeah, Joe McFarlane's a good guy, too. But. Oh, yeah, but he's the man. <laughs> yeah, you talk about Central And this Michigan. was supposed to be a down year for Central, a rebuilding it year. It was. They lost a lot of firepower. A lot of tournament points going from there. Got a couple All-Americans back in the line. Well, they got... 
All-American Mike Miller back in the lineup, and he actually, you know, you get your All-American doesn't win. Steve Luke beat him fairly handily in the dual meet, but, hey, don't don't sleep on the Chippewas. Well, and you got uh, got the MAC being represented by Central Michigan. They always come through. Not a power conference, but they're doing a great job getting up in the uh, trophy hunt. They haven't done it yet. The best they placed was fifth in 1998, I believe. They also got seventh one year, and... I would love to see Central Michigan get a trophy. It would be nice. It would be nice for any school in the MAC or any other conference outside the Big Ten or Big 12, and it's been a long time since that happened, that it was a school outside of the Big Three. I consider the EIWA one of the Big Three conferences now, basically yeah. because there's 14 teams. They put a lot of qualifiers in. They put they have a lot of All-Americans and some real storied programs there. But, ooh, yeah, Central getting a trophy would be good for, for the sport, including Central this week jumps up to number 12 from number 16. In the most recently released USA Today Intermat NWCA Division One team rankings, we're playing alphabet soup a little bit. Nothing really changed in the top nine except for yeah, the top nine didn't stay the same. Wisconsin moves up to ten, Oklahoma moves up to spot to eleven, basically because Michigan was ten and they dropped to in a tie for fifteen with Penn State. So uh, nothing really. No new teams in the top twenty-five this weekend. Northern Iowa slid a spot from twenty-four to twenty-five. Other than that, it was pretty much. Pretty normal as, as far as the team rankings go. Iowa, of course, getting all 11 first-place votes again this week. Surprise? No. <laughs> you shouldn't be if no. you were. Come on. I was, I was going to say, if you Come were surprised on. by that, boy, they uh, they got it rolling right now. But they are a little bit susceptible. I, I think that even though they look Well, you strong, and I took four matches from them. You and I did take four matches. And let's talk about you and I fi- finally get their... First two duels of the year, lose to Iowa and Wisconsin, but take four out of ten against University of Iowa. Of course, Iowa is missing. Of course, the six they lost were all bonus points. True, <laughs> true. And, uh, you know, people try to compare a little bit, saying, oh, my goodness, Wisconsin won eight out of ten, Iowa won six out of ten. You know, this is uh, you know big news, but it's really not. Moza Fay wasn't in the lineup at 165. I think he's a little tweaked as far as his knee is right now. And, uh, yeah, it's not the only one. My knees. <laughs> this, this cold weather's killing my joints. Your man. knee is hurting. I don't know what's wrong with that one. But yeah, it's not an indicator. Dual meets are so funny because even if you beat a team worse than the other team, and you, you kind of look at it, Iowa would still beat Wisconsin. What is it? The transitive or the distributive property that people I always don't know. refer? Well, A beats B, so B should be able to beat C since A beats C. No, not it always. Doesn't work that way. No, it that's work. what I love about this sport too. Yeah, it's really it's really neat, and Iowa is still kind of figuring out 197. Beatty's been a little bit injured there. Uh, Luke Lofthouse is in the lineup. Andrew Anderson wins there against University of Iowa. So not a real indicator, in my opinion, as far as how good Iowa is. But still, I think the point has to be made that Iowa still has a few holes. And Iowa State, I think, is as good of a tournament team right now if you look at Win Magazine's TPI ratings, which I know you don't like all that well. Well, the TPI is different than the than a dual meet ranking. The tournament, I guess, tournament percentage index or yeah. tournament placement. Tournament, I'm not yeah. sure what the acronym stands for. Sorry, Mike Finn. Uh, don't hack my column too much. <laughs> but I don't know. I like that. That shows you the projection, but I don't like that as a ranking basis because – like we saw with Minnesota, I guess, was it last year, that they would lose and they wouldn't drop off the TPI, for example. They would they'd still be number one in that, because even though they lost, which kind of makes it a little weird. That's why I kind of like the dual meet rankings at this point in the season, even though there are tournament scoring points and things like that. But even with, like we saw with the Dick Walker Invitational this weekend, Co didn't bring their full team. They're ranked second or third in Division two, uh, Division three rather, and they finished fourth at the Dick Walker Invitational. They didn't have you know, a couple of their starters, yeah. so... It's tournament points, if healthy, 
are interesting. I know uh, I know Britt Malinsky puts them together for pretty much any outlet. You know, it puts together. Okay, here are the here are the tournament strength results for the Intermat poll, the the D one College Wrestling dot net. Um, well, I don't know if he does one for Win Magazine. You might know him as Seton Hall Pirate, anyway. But he puts those together and he does you know certain point scoring things. And it's interesting to see how it could project. But it's interesting come March where it's really the draw. So I mean, you're not going to really see is. you're not going to see Zabriskie drawing Conrad, for example, in you know years like this. But wouldn't you say when you look at the rankings right now, if you had to say who's the most balanced team, I'd have to say Iowa State from top to bottom. I mean, mm. they have the most balance. If you're looking at, I mean, yeah, their holes really aren't holes, right? I mean, it's deceptive to say that because they did get beat by Iowa, so you could say, well, Iowa's more balanced. But as far as just top to bottom, well, if you're talking balance, maybe, but. But Iowa State does have a balanced team, and I think that no matter what, it's going to be interesting to see how they do against each other at the Midlands. They could meet at the National Duels and, of course, the NCAA tournament. So they're going to see each other three more times before this year is out, uh, possibly. Speaking, as, as, as Speaking of Iowa, we're also talking about you and I earlier. Alex Dolly, granted the sixth year, yep. come in in 84. So they get, need 184. Yeah, they'll time. get some action this weekend as they wrestle George Mason and uh, Old Dominion. You like Old Dominion? Wow, I went three shows without mentioning Old Dominion. That's impressive. Very impressive. I, I am repping a little bit of Newport News, Virginia today. Woodside, Woodside Wolverines in Newport News, Virginia. Coach Willie Evans, one of my former roommates. 12-12 was the greatest day in the world. That was Friday. That's an inside joke. Nobody else will get it except for me, him, and pretty much everybody. <laughs> Every one of the 27 roommates I had in seven years in college. Ohio State over Edinburgh, 19-12. to Ohio State, a team that early on you could say they were in the hunt. Jay Jaggers, NCAA champion, has not uh, looked too good this year, Jason. Yeah, the loss to Joel Webster is really surprising. Okay, the loss to Jansen, maybe not so much. The loss to Thorne, surprising. The loss to Joel Webster, who wasn't really highly regarded coming out of high school, not really a name. People know the name Mike Thorne. He wrestled at a good high school in, here in Minnesota. You know, he's been, he was thrown in the lineup. People know that name. They've seen his name in the lineup. They see he's had a big win over Cody Cleveland to start the year. Corey Jansen, everybody knows who this kid is, whether or not he was ranked in the preseason or not. Obviously got the, the the pedigree there. His older brother was one of the best wrestlers in the last five, six years. For, you know, for Harvard, has that, that, that Jansen crab ride, which is really tough. And it really leads to a lot of near-fall points and a lot, of, a lot of legs, a lot of halves. You know, but Joel Webster, that's yeah. that's a head-scratcher. And Nick Otrigas getting beat by Kyle Fluke. Paul Donahoe's not even in the lineup yet, and they lost to basically the guy that, uh, okay, Trigus, this is an easy three here. Well, and I think there's a danger here, Jason, because Ohio State gets second last year at the NCAA tournament. After so, placing sixth at the Big Ten. Exactly. And I think there's a danger of saying, all right, they got second, so you just judged their entire year based on the NCAA tournament. I think that's wrong to do that because you kind of forget what happened throughout the season, that they did have a hot tournament. Every team has ups and downs, and, and sometimes it's not about peaking. It's about who wins one key match, one key place to get you those advancement points and get you that maybe that big fall in a consolation instead of giving you half a point, gives you two and a half points. Yep. So, I mean, how close was it? Was it three and a half points between five or six teams last yeah, year? It, it, was, it was something right disgusting. I mean, it was. So, I mean, it was, I, mean I, I remember looking at the points going, wow. They were like, I believe it was – 28, 30 points, whatever it was between Iowa and Ohio State. But the, that same gap would have fit like the next 20 teams. Oh, it's <laughs> incredible. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And so when you look at it, I mean, the difference between second place and sixth place isn't that much. But with that Ohio State-Edinburgh duel, the big match that really really turned it around, oh, actually didn't turn it around, it was the finale. It was Corey Morrison upsetting Joe Fendone at heavyweight. Fendone's real tough on top. Morrison took him down twice and then took neutral to stay away from Fendone. Fendone's real good on top for heavyweight. He knows how to ride the legs for heavyweight, which is really it's exceedingly rare because you don't see a lot of heavyweights throw the boots at all. But Morrison kept on his strengths and ultimately won that dual meet. I mean, if you're Joe Fendone in Edinburgh, you're kind of like your chances based on his history against Morrison in the past. So, as we said, beginning of the year, Morrison might be a guy that's really going to help him get over the hump. He definitely pulled out this dual meet today. I mean, Ohio State stood in the rankings. I mean, a couple weeks ago, they're, they're sixth right now, still 4-0. and But Yeah. And, of course, Corey Morrison, you know, Gets the uh, gets the game ball if there was such a thing. One eighty four. Big Mike, performance. Mike Basillo is back in the lineup too, NCAA champion. So I think that certainly helps the Buckeyes in their cause a little bit. Well, if you had a chance to listen to Kevin Schlosser's interview from uh, BuckeyeWrestling.net with Tom Ryan, they weren't going to wrestle him for the duel. They brought him along just in case. They weren't really going to wrestle him, but things got out of hand when Nico Trigus gets beat at twenty five and, and Jaggers gets beat at forty one. All of a sudden, now Pasillo's got to get sent in there against tenth ranked Chris Honeycutt. You know, an Ohio kid that would love nothing more to beat, uh, beat Ohio State. Jason, we have to mention we've gone 15 minutes. We've been so wired. We have to make a plug for our guest tonight. <laughs> I'm feeling like a Beavis on the old Cornholio episodes right now. I am wired. Yes, good guest tonight, Brad Trabiola, coming up in our second segment. That's going to be fun. And we've had a great reaction to it. A lot of people have emailed in. You posted it on the message boards. People want to ask him questions. He's the chair of the NCAA Wrestling Committee and, of course, works with the Big Ten as well. So kind of been a pretty fair wrestler in his day, too. We'll yeah, have a chance to ask him about that. Second at the NCAA tournament to Dan St. John in 1890. And so I think a lot of people want to hear what Brad Traviola has to say. This is an idea of yours to have him on the air, and I think this is a great idea to talk to Brad Traviola, someone who has a say in wrestling. I know we – complain a lot or not complain but talk about what changes need to be made we need to put them on the spot you're right this is going to be a, probably an entire hot the box entire section. hot box will be the section yeah but here's another thing i like about having brad in, in the situation where he's at I've, I've dealt with him in the past just very very smart smart individual oh nice kog pen by the way thank you but he is a wrestler that's in an administrative role not an administrator governing wrestling mm. it's not like a university president at a school like say western arizona or something making administrative decisions or chairing a committee which his school doesn't have it brad wrestled he knows the deal so and and he's aware of the problems within wrestling i don't want to say necessarily yeah there are problems we'll talk about that in the third segment but as what we need to do as a sport and what can this whole qualifier system do and how he was brought in and how basically the wheels got started because i remember it was actually tom ryan who had brought it up at the nwca convention about using current data 
instead of historical data. Like, why can't we use this season? We'll talk to him about that in our second segment coming up here in about five minutes. But, yeah, Brad's going to be a good guest. I'm, I'm glad we have him on. I'm glad he's taking the time out to give us time on this. And, man, you're right. I am wired. Yeah. And I think it's going to be fun to have these questions that have come in and see what Brad has to say about them. So second segment, great guest, Brad Traviola. Sacred Heart, 36, Wagner, 15. We're both Wagner fans. They are 0-8 right now, but we keep pulling for Wagner to get that uh, ever-elusive win. Now here's the question. Can you name their mascot? Seahawks. Absolutely, yes. Seahawks. You've been doing your homework. I'll tell you what, I love Wagner. I know all I know all the Division One college mascots. Uh, I'm pulling for Wagner. They got beat sixty to zero by Upper Iowa. I really want to see him get a win sometime. So well, Sacred Heart got a couple wins too. They also beat uh, East Stroudsburg. So Sacred Heart, Casey Brewster, young head coach there, same type of situation with Wagner with expensive school, minimal scholarships. Let's Although keep, Sigurd Hart does have an All-American with Piam Zarenpour a couple years ago. Exactly, and let's keep pulling for these teams. We need to keep plugging away and make sure that they get some coverage. Southern Oregon 39, Portland State 3, Southern Oregon NAIA School, Portland State Division 1. Not a surprise there, though. And Southern Oregon, one of our sponsors. Thank you, Mike Ritchie. Yes, thank you. That's karma Mike. right there. That is That's karma. karma. <laughs> you win because you sponsor wrestling 4-1-1. And there were some dual meets out on the West Coast, California, the Pac-10, Big 12, oh, Pac-10, Big 12 clash, the Central Coast duels. Uh, it was basically Missouri, Oklahoma. Yep, Bakersfield, Fullerton, Cal Poly, they all kind of wrestled out there. So some good duels went on out there. And then Illinois. Yeah, Missouri improved 11-0. and 0. Yeah, Missouri State, too. Missouri's rolling. I, I think they're a, a good team this year. I think there were some questions. Going out on the limb there, Kyle, I no, think they're a good I team. They're ranked fifth I in the country. You know what? The reason I say that. I think they're a good team. They're ranked fifth. <laughs> I know, but the reason I said that is wow. I, I had some question marks about them early on. I didn't think they were going to be that good this year. Well, as I a really dual didn't. team, 11 0, I mean, it's not exactly anything. I mean, 11 duels this early? 11 duels this early. But I just didn't think they were going to be that good this well, year. I so. was 9 0 already. I know, a lot of duels. That's why it's, it's surprising. That Oklahoma's 7-0. They're creeping towards the top 10. OU. Oklahoma State. Boomer Sooner. Oklahoma State. Oh, Oklahoma State, yeah. They're, yeah. they're my they have two losses. 5-2. Five 5-2. And five and but Illinois, talk about uh, Patrick Bond. Still getting over that, that, that injury. Um, didn't realize he had had off-season surgery, and I really didn't want to touch on what it was until I guess the cat's out of the bag now. That was his shoulder, and... You know, this an inexplicable weekend. If, if you see lost a guy from Finley and a guy from McKendry, it's Division Two and NAI, respectively. He's just, uh, I think he just needs to get healthy. And it's not like they have a whole lot of options at 97 that uh, even even a, a 50% bond might be better than their, their option otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not going to go out and get decked by any means, but he's still slow. I mean, I've watched him wrestle since he was in the fifth grade, so it's kind of... Kind of tough to see him go through these struggles right now. Boise State 25, Oregon State 13. I tell you what, Jim Zaleski, who was at Iowa, of course, has kind of gone away. We don't talk much about what's going on at Oregon State. And I think he likes it like that. I think he, he does, he's not in the spotlight anymore. He can actually take his time rebuilding. Whereas if you're in a program like Iowa, you're not going to have two, three, four years to rebuild. you got to go now. Got to go now. Got to go now. And, and Thoughts? I think- I, yeah. I think yeah, I agree, and I think Oregon State though is a program traditionally that can get it done. They've gotten second at the NCAA tournament a couple times. I know they did it in 1995. Of course, part of that was the Iowa juggernaut. It was going to be Iowa and everyone else, so it didn't really matter. But Oregon State, I think they have a tradition that's good enough that he should be getting a trophy. 
Eventually. Eventually. Eventually, yes. I think that they have the program in place. They're good enough. They have enough good recruiting out in Oregon State, and he's done a good job recruiting. He should be getting it done. Yeah, they're, they're young right now. I mean, they're just starting to see those first two classes come in. They're not seasoned veterans yet. You know, guys like guys like Michael Mangrum isn't in the lineup yet. Kelly Kubik seeing his first action. They're going to get better. So that's basically what it amounts to there. 411 keeps getting better, and we're going to have a great guest who is going to make the show better. Brad Traviola is going to be on here in about two minutes. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with NCAA Wrestling Chair Brad Traviola next on Wrestling 411 Radio. We are back, Wrestling 411 Radio. I'm Kyle Klingman. That's Jason Bryant, and we are back with segment two. And if you can't see him until the video, Jason Bryant is Xing out the Nike symbol on his shirt. Absolutely. And we have a entire section that could be considered the hot box. Usually we have a segment called the hot box that we put coaches into. And this segment has gotten a good response, Jason. We Absolutely. Have, we got some great questions for you, Brad, coming on. We have Brad Traviola, chair of the NCAA Wrestling Committee, and he is with the Big Ten as well, and a former wrestler for Northwestern, placed second in 1990 at 167 pounds. Welcome to the program, Brad. Thank you. Glad to be here. How are things going tonight? Do you, uh, are you busy in this, uh, this heavy wrestling time of year? Yeah, you know, working in the conference office, uh, you're exposed to uh, all of our uh, sports with the Big Ten sponsors, so uh, while certainly wrestling and, and the rest of the winter sports are, are in full swing now, uh, we're, uh, some of us are, are busy with bowl preparations and a few things tidying up the, uh, the spring t- or the uh, fall season. So uh, this really is uh, the start of crunch time for us really now through April, so it's, uh, it's a fun time to be part of the Big Ten. Well, we're a few days away from the Midlands Tournament, and obviously that's something that has a strong connection with you. Any chance you're going to be going to that? Unfortunately, my uh, other travels will be taking me to uh, a bowl game in Florida this year, but uh, the Midlands are a great event. Uh, I spoke with uh, Ken Kraft uh, a week or so ago, and I think the the, the turnout uh, for this year and the number of uh, really quality college teams that uh, are trying to get as many kids there to the, the tournament is really on the rise this year. And so they're really looking forward to, uh, in terms of uh, quality-wise, uh, one of the best fields uh, in recent memory. One of the questions that is hot right now is NCAA qualifying, and this has been an issue that has been ongoing. Really, have revamped this entire process on how you get into the NCAA tournament. You have been involved in this. Jason Bryant was involved in this. Give us an idea of pre-NCAA tournament how you like this has developed. Do you like how this is going to go as far as NCAA qualifying? Well, in, in theory, we, we on the NCAA Wrestling Committee like it a lot. Um, you know, we were put in a position uh, about 18 months ago to, uh, you know, we, we were given a charge to really uh, overhaul the system, you know, with two things in mind. You need to do away with the use of historical data. You need to get rid of the, the wild card voting at each respective conference tournament or the regionals. And you need to uh, guarantee that every conference champion is going to, uh, or regional champion is going to make it to the NCAs. And so really starting from scratch, we had to develop a system that used current year data only. And so it was something where, you know, last year, and I, and I can't overstate the help that we received from the NWCA and uh, both Mike Moyer and Pat Tossi and, and the use of their database and all of the staff that they were able to put together for the committee to use. But uh, as a committee, we came together last April and really did a, a mock dry run of, of what something might look like. So we uh, 
had every individual's uh, season record for them. We were able to slice and dice the wins and losses, uh, you know, home away, non-conference, conference, uh, record against the top 10, against the top 20, against the top 30 in each weight. Uh, we've developed a, an RPI, which is a rating percentage index or sometimes might be referred to as a strength of schedule measurement. Uh, and every wrestler in each weight class has one of those. Uh, we also developed a, a coach's ranking where uh, two coaches from each conference and two from each regional uh, ranked uh, kids 33 deep in each weight class, and that was another component we used. So really the idea was to get a, a toolbox uh, full of current year tools for the committee to evaluate how strong any given weight class was or how strong any given wrestler in a weight class was. And so, you know, the old system, it used historical data to determine how many uh, qualifiers each conference got. Uh, this new system does away with that entirely, and it's purely current year data only. So, you know, how good people perform this year in the 2008-09 season is going to determine uh, how many qualifiers each conference and the regionals get uh, come March. Now, Brad, Jason Bryant here. What was the biggest hurdle in actually trying to decide that it was current data and I remember being at the at the convention when this was brought up. It seemed to be a concept that everybody seemed to jump on board immediately with, well, why can't we use this year's data? Why can't we use it? Well, you know, it was a – I think this past summer, you're right, everybody was on board because everybody understood there was really no choice involved. This was a, really a mandate handed down by the different NCA uh, governance groups. Uh, the year before at the convention in 2007 – uh, there was a you know some separate camps. There were folks that liked the status quo. There were folks that wanted to go uh, try a regional concept. Um, but then after we really tried to vet out the, the pros and cons of all the different systems, uh, what we came up with and, and what we've implemented this year, uh, we think um, you know it, it addresses the the charge that we received to use this, or, uh, current year data only. But it also maintains the importance and emphasis on conference championships because we think it's important that the conference championship events uh, maintain their, uh, their level of integrity and the, the high um, fan interest and importance of these events and it just not be about seeding into the NCAA tournament. And so we, we think that the, what we've proposed, and, and we'll see how it uh, pans out, but we're very optimistic that it not only addresses the charge we received but also addresses some of the concerns we had with some of the other models. Oh, one of the concerns the coaches I know brought up was the, was I guess the suggestion of adding thirty extra qualifiers. Why was that shot down? Well, you know, there's a couple of different reasons. Um, you know, I think the the word that we got back from the NCA is that you know the the NCA whether it's talking you're talking wrestling or soccer or basketball or what have you, uh, the the championships cabinet um, has a set of protocols and principles when it comes to uh, bracket expansion. And we really brought up some issues that their protocols were unable to address. Uh, we felt that, uh, again, just by going to one year's data using last uh, year, 2008, as a mock dry run, we, we actually saw data where potentially some of the conferences with historical strong performances could get even more qualifiers than nationals. And obviously with the, the cap at 330 total qualifiers to the NCAs, that would be at the expense of some of the, the smaller leagues. And the question is, is that good for the sport? And so we thought we laid out a pretty compelling argument that an additional 30 qualifiers would help alleviate that uh, concern. But, the, again, the protocols that the administrators have to make this decision really didn't address it. 
So we're going to continue to monitor it and see how everything shakes out this year. And uh, we can go back and, and ask again. They didn't uh, give us an outright no, but they said that, uh, you know, they appreciated our... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Our rationale, they understood it, but they were unable to prove it. So we're in a situation where we're going to continue to monitor it, and uh, we may end up recommending that we get uh, 30 again, but uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, one thing that I think the wrestling community, the, those that weren't on the inside and developing this this concept was – the misconception out there is that this is just for the smaller programs, the smaller conferences to get better. Why is, why is that a, a false statement? Well, it, it, I mean, the, the only thing that, that I think is drastically different about this model is that every conference is either going to be rewarded or be, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, the opposite of that, having qualifiers taken away based on current year performance. So starting out, you know, this year with the very first match, if I'm from a, a conference that historically maybe only received somewhere between 11 and 20 qualifiers, if for whatever reason my kids and the kids in our uh, uh, qualifying event just go gangbusters and, and they have great winning percentages all over, they're ranked well, uh, their strength of schedule is high, they could double that over, over uh, you know, from one year to the next. Um, and then with the Big Ten, for example, we've uh, had 72 qualifiers for the last uh, several years. Um, you know, if our uh, teams don't perform this well uh, or, you know, well relative to how they've done historically, they could be at 50 this year. But on the flip side, if they uh, perform even better than they what would have historically, it's possible they could have more than 72. So really it's, uh, you know, how people did the last year is totally off the table. It's how people do this year. I think principally everybody's very comfortable with that. Everybody has the opportunity to compete for these positions. Um, but, again, since it's a new system, it's something that we're going to have to wait and see how, the, how it really plays out. Again, we're, I don't envision this as being the end-all, be-all. I think we have a very good and solid system with the sound rationale. But I imagine there may be a tweak or two that, you know, after going through it one year, we may have to, to tweak it to, to this for this year number two or year number three based on how some unforeseen scenarios play out. But uh, overall, uh, you know, everyone on the committee, both from uh, those conferences with historically strong programs, those with historically not so strong programs, everybody was in uh, support of, of what we laid out. We're talking with Brad Traviola, head of the NCAA Wrestling Committee and former All-American for Northwestern University. And we have gotten in several questions emailed into us, more so than any other person, so I'm going to get right into those. The first question comes from Chuck Yegla, two-time NCAA champion from the University of Iowa. It's actually kind of a 
multifaceted question, a lot of questions in here, so bear with me as I complete this entire question. Could you ask Brad about his wrestling days at Northwestern? In particular, his finals loss to Dan St. John in 1990. Curious if that was the only time he wrestled Dan St. John. Also, I believe I remember him defeating Marty Morgan in the 19 NCAA wrestling tournament. What's it like to know that he defeated Brock Lesnar's trainer? Also, I believe he beat a, defeated Bart Chelsvig for the Big Ten title in 1990. He seems to have a pattern of defeating some of the Big Ten school's assistant coaches or former assistant coaches. And what does he consider his most memorable match? Did you get all that? Did you get all that? Uh, th- that's a lot. And um, I, uh, I don't know what to think of Chuck and his great memory there. <laughs> you you don't really like to bring up the losses too much to wrestlers. I know that for sure. <laughs> Yeah, you know, especially if the final match of your career and you ended out a loss, it's, it does have a, a way of sticking with you. But uh, if I get these uh, all in order, if I answer them all, I'll try. But uh, uh, that was the only time I wrestled uh, Dan St. John. It was in the finals, and, uh, you know, it was a, uh, a good match. Um, you know, I think it came down to a takedown at the end, and he got it, and I didn't, and uh, he ended up being a, a two-time champ. So uh, uh, certainly uh, my hat's off to him. Uh, but, you know, it's it's funny because uh, you do see the people in, in the sport. And uh, while I was coaching a little bit at Northwestern and now I'm on the administrative side, you know, it's it's always fun to, to go back and, and see the, the, the people that you either met via competing or, or coached against. And, uh, you know, certainly Bart Chelsvig at Wisconsin and Marty uh, formerly at Minnesota. Um, it, it's been neat to uh, see them and, uh, you know, their, their, their various families and, uh, you know, even uh, a lot of people that, that weren't mentioned. Um, it, it's a pretty neat and, and close-knit community, as you all know, and to be able to see them at different stages in your life or different stages in your career is, is always a fun thing to do. This question comes off the message boards. Has there been any serious talk about moving the start of the season to a one-semester sport to avoid the hoops tournament in March? Uh, there's been some talk about it. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the qualifier system has been the, the big item on the immediate front burner, and so that's what the committee has addressed, and, and we certainly will spend a lot of time evaluating that as well. But, uh, you know, what, what, a one-semester sport, you know, there's a, not only getting away from March Madness may be uh, a good reason, um, but with the, uh, the NCA uh, APR, the academic performance rate, um, you know, there's some uh, thought that, Switching to a one-semester sport uh, may help that as well. You know, bring the kids in in the fall. Uh, you don't do the uh, the early season uh, opens at that time. Uh, you give a ch- kids a chance, uh, a little more uh, time to hit the books without any practices, et cetera, going on. You do a second-semester sport, and your uh, your finals and, and championships would be later in the springtime. Um, you know, we really haven't dove into the details on that one to really get it where I'm comfortable and, and have a feel for the pros and cons. Um, but, you know, as a member of the committee, you know, one of our charges is to, you know, do things and consider things that are, that are in the best interest of the sport. And, um, you know, I think wrestling does have a, a great, uh, great NCAA championships, obviously. That's the crown jewel. Uh, one of the things that I'm a, a big proponent of and something that I think that the, the committee needs to, to continue to look at is ways to really enhance the regular season. Um, I, I believe that the, uh, the dual meet format is something that teams, can develop a, a strong local fan base, and there's something about the you know the two-hour event where people can, can come and support their their university. They may know the kids, they may not. Uh, we already get the diehards that, that come and support, but what about the casual fan? It, it's a wrestling's an awful hard sport 
uh, when you look at the opens to ask someone to come and, and spend an entire day. And it's, uh, you know, and again, I've been around many opens, and a lot of them are run by very talented people, and, and they're very well organized. But to the outsider coming in, I think most would agree it's almost like a three-ring circus uh, to ask them to come in, and they may be only interested in one team there, and to be able to follow them and understand the team scoring and, and what kids are going to be up where. It's an awful lot to ask someone to do. So I, I do think that the uh, really re-energizing and re-emphasizing the regular season and uh, looking at things that, you know, maybe what we do is look at the NCAA sponsoring a, a dual meet championship as well. Um, we've had talks about this with the NCA as well as the uh, National Wrestling Coaches Association. I think there's a way of doing it where um, it, it would really make another premier um, NCA event and, uh, you know, once you put that NCA label on it and, and get their marketing muscle behind it, I think you'll have just about, you know, every team wanting to participate in it. And I think it legitimizes the, the dual meet format and, and will help reemphasize it. This question comes via email. Why did the Big Ten Network run Iowa and Iowa State on tape delay and the delay it further and announce the results prior to the match? <laughs> I was in the, the same boat as that uh, the person who emailed. I was uh, waiting for the, the match, and I think in their excitement of actually trying to give a little positive uh, publicity for the sport and wanting to announce that it was a record crowd, uh, the, the announcer really wasn't uh, thinking and, and announced the score prior to it. So it was a little anticlimactic. But, you know, the, the thing with the network, it's been a great promotional tool for all Big Ten sports. Um, obviously, uh, football and basketball are the things where, uh, that are a priority for the network. It's the only two things that really there's advertising support for. Um, you know, wrestling, we're able to get a, a minimum of 10 dual meets plus the championships on. So it's something that, uh, you know, wrestling does have a, a nice presence on the Big Ten network. But, you know, 90% of all of the college athletic contests are competed between Friday and Sunday. So the, the ability to schedule you know, uh, any given event on a, on, a, on the linear channel, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a complex puzzle. So the decision to uh, do a tape delay that same night uh, was the decision that was reached by the network in their best judgment. And, you know, outside for the little uh, snafu of announcing the, uh, uh, the score ahead of time, uh, I think it was covered well. I think the announcing team was solid, and it was good TV. Well, as far as that, I was looking on my, my own DVR. I was on the road. I could not see it. I think I was snuck on a snowdrift somewhere here in Minnesota. Well, as far as the replay, I noticed with the Big Ten Network, I'm not sure how tied in you are to it, but you know, I'm looking for replays of this. I've seen, I think, the Iowa field hockey semis from uh, the Big Ten, I don't know, countless times. I'm still waiting to see a replay of the Iowa State, you know, even if it's 4 o'clock in the morning. So um, you I think maybe some replays? On. I don't know what the replay schedule is, but I know in the following week, you know, just at work and someone through and, and seeing what's on next, um, I believe those replayed uh, at least three or four times, but I couldn't tell you what days they were. But that is something uh, that they do. So um, sorry that you, you missed it. <laughs> so, yeah, my DVR, I think I got, uh, I don't know, I think I got Clifford to Big Red Dog or something. I don't know. <laughs> question from Henry Harmony. I have a question for Brad. In an effort to expand college wrestling, are there any plans to target states that have very good high school wrestling but that have no college programs that wrestle like Texas? You know, as far as a, a charge of going out and doing that, I think the National Wrestling Coaches Association does a great job. Uh, Mike Moyer and his staff, I know, uh, you know, Texas, uh, Georgia, uh, a few other states have been high on their priority list. And um, But you know, with my, you know, working at the conference office and a little bit more understanding for the, the reasons why uh, sports are either added or, or dropped, 
um, you know, in my humble opinion, at, the, at least at the Division I level, there, there currently is very little motivation or built-in motivation for a Division I uh, athletic program to add uh, any more uh, male sports. Um, obviously, uh, Title IX and the balance of, of male opportunities to women's ap- opportunities is something that it's a, it's a factor. It's certainly sometimes not the deciding factor, but it's something where, um, you know, if someone's in compliance today, you're not looking at adding just one sport. You're looking at adding two. Uh, so your your numbers stay uh, in balance. So uh, it, it's in, in looking at today's economic uh, conditions. You know, people are are not looking to add. They're they're looking to to either maintain or you know worst case scenario to cut. So you know it's unfortunate, but I, I think that's the reality of where we are today. Um, I do think that there's promise for the sport of wrestling at the Division two and three levels. Um, what I've seen is that uh, schools that are enrollment driven you know, find that uh, adding the sport of wrestling is really a, a nice uh, attraction for, you know, kids, males coming out of high school wanting to continue to participate in that sport that they love. Uh, wrestling can be a deciding factor for kids wanting to go to a particular school or not. So it's not, if you look comparatively to other sports, it's not an expensive sport to sponsor. So you do see um, uh, some small, modest growth in the Division two and three levels of, of uh, these schools adding the programs, and, and that's great. So, uh, you know, it's a different model. It's a different mindset in Division One. so they have some different things to consider. But uh, Division Two and Division Three at the NCAA level, I think, is where the potential for growth is. Final question comes from me, Brad. You've been involved in the sport a long time. You know the challenges we face. Do you think the NCAA truly cares about wrestling? I think they do. I, I really do. I mean, the NCAA, it's a, it's not to give it any excuses. It's a, it's a complex organization, and, uh, you know, just like if, if I'm working at the Big Ten and you have 11 schools that you're trying to balance uh, all the priorities and rationales, I mean, the NCAA, again, at the Division One level is 300. If you combine all three divisions, you know, over 1,000 uh, uh, institutions, that they're trying to come under some harmonious uh, agreement and some, you know, working relationship. So I, I don't think that wrestling is singled out as saying they don't care about it. I, I, I know that there's stiff challenges uh, ahead for the sport. I think the, there's good people at the NCA, and I, I genuinely do think they, they can care. I think that the, the reality of the Division One system is such that, you know, the, the things that we should try to improve, there's probably, you know, uh, increasing Division One membership is going to be a very tough thing to do in today's uh, environment. So let's focus on some other things that can improve the sport and maybe really entrench the programs that we have. Um, you know, there is, as I mentioned before, growth on the Division Two and Three side, um, but I, I do think that the people at the NCA and the overall system uh, will be some supportive of some things that can help the sport, but it's just going to take some creative thinking and some people who are dedicated uh, on the inside to, uh, to make that happen. And, again, I, I think we have a good start with this AQ system. We're working on a strategic plan to take it to the, the sport to the next level. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, hopefully the, uh, we're off to a good start and we'll be able to maintain the momentum. Brad, I really appreciate you coming on the program tonight. I know Jason has enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about the qualification system, the challenges we face, and what the prospects of making wrestling grow in the future. Hope to have you on again sometime. This has been really fun for both of us. Uh, right around March, wouldn't you say, Brad? <laughs> Our slow time.
<laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe maybe get you on for a selection special or something. There Explain you go. that. There you go. That'd well, thanks fun. a lot, guys. It was uh, my pleasure, and uh, have a good night. All right, appreciate it. That was Brad Traviola, chair of the NCAA Wrestling Committee, and he also works with the Big Ten. And as we mentioned, NCAA runner-up in 1990 to Dan St. John. I don't know how much you like that, though, talking about those losses. You know, I I asked a wrestler, I actually said something about a loss to a wrestler one time, and my bathroom door ended up getting broken um, with my spine, actually. So, But some people take it well. <laughs> And he I, did. Yeah, but yeah. Some we people just are have fun with the context. Never go. Hey, hey, didn't yeah. you? Weren't you the guy that lost to? Uh, yeah, that end. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Up needing some new, uh, probably some new upholstery. And definitely some new carpentry work. That's at least what happened to me in college. So. Well, when it's teammate against teammate, they really like to needle them about the losses. Oh, of course. <laughs> not not reporter to wrestler, though. I mean, what do we do? We report on the losses. Other than the uh, – I, I want to bring this up, though. I, I was going to rep the whole Virginia thing today. I got Woodside earlier. Colonial Forge, Coach Bill Swank. Him and I worked together back with Matt Talk Online and VirginiaWrestling.com. But it's a great-looking shirt. But the problem is, is this, this god-awful swoosh. <laughs> So I'm not giving you any respect. Yeah, that's right. Well, let's rehash Sorry. what Brad Traviola was talking about. I think he had a lot of good things to say. Going with the qualification system, the only thing that we didn't delve into enough, and I think this is a challenge, is that potentially with the way this system works, the Big Ten and the Big 12 could get more spots. If they, if they, The thing is, to me, they get them if they deserve them. They don't get them just because they get them because – you know there's been years where the Big Ten and Big 12 have taken guys to the tournament just because they had the bids. Some years that sixth or seventh place guy at the Big Ten really didn't deserve to go. I mean, you're under 500. You really haven't done well in conferences. You got no good wins. Hey, you win one match, okay, and you get to the seventh, eighth place match. You take seventh by medical forfeit or something, and you get in, and you really haven't done anything. At, like at the weight class, this is where I like the difference is, is it's going to – be you know the CAA could get five guys at, at 197 versus the Big Ten could only get nine, they could get nine at one weight they could get four at another I mean I don't think they're going to get four but like the Pac-10 some years is is real deep at, at some weights and they're not so deep at the others and there's not enough wild cards to reflect for that and I think it really puts the onus on the individual wrestler on those individual programs to succeed it's not like you can just get through I mean what is it they're guys that are under 500 and might take fourth at the Big 12 and get in. You know, it's that's. Not, I mean, they might win a match or two at, at the conference, but do they really deserve to go just because they're in such a tough conference? I, I, I'm not in agreement with that thinking that just because you're in the Big Ten or Big Twelve, you need to go. Let's talk about dual meets because this love is, them, love them, love them. At least if uh, they're well attended and there's some action. Yeah, I uh, I like dual meets. This is something that for the last three years I've pushed for hard. This is something I think it needs to go to. And in explaining this to a friend yesterday about how wrestling works. It's borderline ridiculous how wrestling is set up. You have a dual meet season. The record at the end of the year that you have for dual meets essentially means nothing other than recruiting. Say you're 21-3, and 19-5, whatever it may be. Coaches talk about it. They say, oh, we don't care about dual meets. It's only the NCAA tournament that matters. So coach says, yeah, we don't care about dual meets. Why don't you come watch us at a dual meet? 
I mean, it, it, it backfires on itself. It's kind of double talk, not in a way, because the coach, the coach knows the as a as a wrestling coach, it's your important for your kids to peak at the end of the season. That's not a new concept. No, it's not. But from the PR role, well, you got to get people to want to come to say Cornell. Say if it's Rob Cole, you know, oh, come to Cornell watch a dual meet. You know, well, he's sad. How many guys in some of these dual meets in the early season? It's it's scheduling some of it. I mean, maybe this goes back with the one semester sport. You got guys that are still a little banged up or maybe nursing injuries or not doing well in the classroom. Back it up. I like the one-semester sport idea. What it's going to do is it's going to disrupt the old guard. It's going to disrupt the Cliff Keene Invitational. It's going to disrupt the Michigan State Open. It's going to disrupt the Midlands. It's going to disrupt the Southern Scuffle. Yes, there is wholesale changes that need uh, wholesale changes that need to be made in the even the scheduling to let dual meet seasons actually work. I think the dual meet is exciting. That is, unless you get 50 people and you're wrestling, you know, another, if, say if you're a low-level program and you're wrestling another low-level program, what's what's the, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Incentive? Yes, that's exactly it. What's the incentive to come out to watch Frank and Marshall versus Princeton? Oh, yeah. you want to come in and, oh, we're bringing in Missouri. We're bringing in Iowa. Well, what's the incentive of going to watch your team get spanked? So I, I think you need to hit the students really too because – there were so many kids that I went to college with that wrestled in high school. I'd see them every time I'd see a wrestling shirt at around, or I'd see some cauliflower ear, whether it be at Chicho's or whether it be in the library. Wait a minute, I never went to the library. Whether it be anywhere, I'd always talk wrestling. I'd say, you should come to a match. And another, and some of that is marketing. Where are the schedule cards for these schools? I'm sure the bigger programs have them. Where are the schedule cards? You see the basketball schedule cards? You can fold up and put your wallet for men's and women's basketball. Where are those for wrestling? Every school should have one of those at every 7-Eleven or, or Wawa or Super America or whatever. Little convenience store within two blocks, three blocks of campus. There's no reason wrestling shouldn't. I mean, yeah, okay, athletic administration resources, that's fine. Do it yourself. I mean, you got assistant coaches. Train them to do something other than just practice with your kids. I, I agree. And two points I want to make on dual meets that – for the lay fan who doesn't really follow wrestling like the diehard fan. We is. all were lay fans at one point. <laughs> exactly. I was 1995. I was, a, I was a layman when it came. I had never seen a wrestling match in my life until 19, January 1995. Let's take a team like Edinburgh who is balanced. You know, they sent 10 qualifiers last year. Better dual meet team than they are tournament team. Versus a, a team like Fresno State in 2002 where they have Stephen Abbas, who you know is going to win the NCAA title, scores some points. Was, Bakersfield was – oh, yeah, Neil Abbas. Abbas, you're right. Yeah, Stephen Sorry, Abbas. I'm getting confused. <laughs> Stephen Abbas. You were Peter. talking about Stephen Neal earlier in the show, so right. I was thinking Bakersfield. But, Stephen yeah, Abbas. Steve Abbas, Fresno State. But, but you know, he, he gets first place, is going to get you top 25 at the NCAA tournament with one guy. Whereas you could have a balanced dual meet team, don't get a guy in the top – Eight and you don't do as well. well it look does, at, look it at doesn't Chattan make sense. Look at Chattanooga, for example. That's a good example. Very good dual meet team last year. Very good dual meet Real team. They were example. like, uh, I think they were thirty eighth or something like that at nationals. Yeah, so it doesn't balance out. So I think that even when you look at say basketball, it, it, this is kind of a, a different example because it truly is a team sport where everyone's out on the court at the same time. But say you have a dual meet record at the end of the year or a basketball record that's twenty one and three. And then you decide, well, we're going to have the guards play the guards and the forwards play the fours in one-on-one, and then they get points and have a tournament. 
Yeah, it's, it's like it's like, kind like, of mixed up. It's like Rafer Alston against Bobby Hurley or something like that. You got right. a street ball player against the, the the Duke point guard. Okay, maybe a kid like that's definitely going to beat him one on one. I like the I like I I don't really like talking basketball anymore, but I do like the way you're going with that in terms of the guards versus guards. I mean, do we want to see Hakeem Olajuwon in his prime against Ralph Sampson? In a one-on-one basketball. Oh, yeah, but but can the, the short, quicker guy from Chaminade, oddly enough, the team that beat Virginia back in 1982, they beat Virginia. They were Division three school. But by player by player, the Cavs that year would have crushed them it, with, under your concept. Yeah, and I, I think that we need to move more toward duel because it's 10 against 10. It's fair. It's equitable. Every weight is represented, whereas with the qualification system, you get in there, maybe you get seven, maybe you get nine. It just doesn't balance out, and we've shown that only 10 teams have won the NCAA tournament, but at the national wrestling duels, more teams have gotten in there, more teams have made the finals. Missouri gets in there, Nebraska gets in there, Penn State has gotten in there. A lot of teams have that opportunity with the dual meet format. I think and, it's in all second. divisions, Division One, Two, II, and Three. now that they're all under one roof. At Northern Iowa, and I had a chance to actually talk about this a little bit with uh, Ed Alaverdi. Um, uh, he is the Grand Marshal this year, him and his wife Shirley, at the Virginia Duels, the 29th annual event. And John Graham, the founder of the Virginia Duels, had asked me in Las Vegas to write a, a feature for the program on Ed Alaverdi. And I, I talked to Ed today at length. Good to hear him in good spirits. Cancer is in remission, so he is going to be happy to him to come out. And I said, you know, why the Virginia Duels? What is it about the Virginia Duels? And it's basically you can supplant this with, like, the Duel Media Advancement Tournament. He goes, everybody there, you know, they're wrestling fans. But it's easy for the friend you brought along to be able to follow your team. I, I remember when we beat Great Bridge when I was a senior in high school. They had the whole town there. and they, Yeah, it's a wrestling crazy town, but they could follow it. Okay, this match is big. This match. And it was your worst kids sometimes that made the biggest impact. In a dual meet, you can follow them. Okay, we're wrestling here, especially in advance. All right, we're wrestling here. If we win, we wrestle here. If we lose, we wrestle here. And you're watching other matches. Be like, okay, oh, we really want to wrestle this team because we think we can beat them. And then you're, you're, you kind yourself rooting for another team so you can wrestle that team. It's kind of like fantasy football in terms of that. But the atmosphere of like a dual meet advancement tournament, I like the concept. I mean, I've got a, a concept. I think Jay also, Coach Robinson, came up with a concept a couple of years ago of automatic bids, you know, having it regional sites, mm-hmm. first like two that. rounds. I like the concepts because then too. you get, yeah, it might it might cause Liberty from the East Region to go to Iowa and get shellacked, but they're in the national tournament sure. as the East Region champs, for example. And isn't that what's fun about the basketball tournament? You have the brackets, and you could have that with the rest of the I'm no George teams. Mason fan by any means. None whatsoever in terms of basketball. Mark Weeder and, and Torres at, at the coaching staff, yeah, I, I can deal with them. But as far as being an alum of my school, I have no love for George Mason in terms of most sports. Seeing them make the Final Four might have made my old my ex-boss, Mike Moyer, pretty happy. Kind of burned me up a little bit because we beat him twice that year. But it, 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 it made that term mid-major. One of our, our most overused phrases, and I hate the terminology. I don't. I refer to use refer usage to it unless I'm trying to make a point. But seeing small programs in that respect, that that was great for the game of college basketball. It's great. Now, what's the, like Edinburgh could do that, for example, in their better years, small team, Northwest Pennsylvania, boom, they're in the final four of college wrestling. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, man, that would be amazing. We need to go in that direction. That would be team great. Team against team concept. The dual meet tournament, the dual meet standings need to mean something. They really do. And, like, it, it, it's problematic in, in leagues like the EIWA where you have 14 schools, but they don't wrestle each other. They don't have a, a round schedule. The Big Ten's so big now, you're wasting eight dates. Not wasting, but you don't get to wrestle 10 schools in the Big Ten. You wrestle eight. 
because of the rotating schedule. Because mm-hmm. you have two teams, you don't wrestle a year. It's it's modeled right after the football schedule. Well, look at the Iowa. Michigan meet last year. Iowa was nearly upset by Michigan in Carver Hawkeye Arena. It came down to Chad Beatty, who did not qualify for the NCAA tournament, to win it for the University Beating of Iowa. Beating Anthony Biondo, who didn't qualify for the NCAA tournament. So it's two quali- Two guys that weren't even ranked. I think Biondo might have been ranked 19th or 20th. But it comes down to, isn't that the fun and the purity of wrestling, the dual meet concept, that, that it happens that way, that every person contributes? And you see this in high school dual meet tournaments all the time. It's the kid that doesn't get pinned. And like a, it's like you know, thirty six to thirty six going in the last two matches. Oh, you gave up the tech fall. You didn't get pinned. Now it's up to the heavyweight to get the pin. You went forty two to forty one because your fish didn't get pinned. It's it's fun. It makes him the hero, even though he got the crap beat out of him. That's what's fun. <laughs> and if you win, you upset the kid. Like uh, Chad Beatty is an example I really love to use because he saved Iowa. He saved the dual meet for Iowa last year. And then there's also, also made me a Beatty fan as a result, man. <laughs> I love to see Hart like that. Yeah, and with the tournament, it really establishes a system that only a few teams have an actual shot at winning the NCAA tournament. Only three to four teams. But a have dual a meet, it's shot. all about matchups. It is one upset can shake the balance of a dual meet. If you're six four on paper and you get upset or you get decked somewhere, you weren't expecting it. Uh oh. Yeah, it's it's. That's that's what I like to see about excitement. Like you were saying, the Iowa Iowa State duel wasn't really exciting. It wasn't. But say there's say hypothetically, say Mitch Mueller decks Brent Metcalf in a headlock or something. Uh oh, that duel meet has totally changed. Now every match after that is is very important for both teams. It, it takes a monumental upset or even just a slight upset to just shake the balance of a dual meet, and that's what I like about it. And imagine the sense of urgency these guys would wrestle with if that was on a national stage. Say it was Iowa, Iowa State, for the NCAA wrestling tournament, dual tournament, for the – At a neutral site. At a neutral site to, to be say a even, even if it's in the state of Iowa, like it, what's the uh, arena in Cedar Rapids? Oh, they host the, the D3s. Yeah, you have the U.S. Cellular Center. That'd be a great spot to host uh, host the Nationals. I want to bring them all together and have one, two, and three in the same roof, maybe even stagger them. But be cool. It would be cool, kind of like the National Duels does, but say you get to a Final Four and you have two mats. You know, you got the first and third place finals going on at the same time. Let's do it, Jason. For D1, D2, and D3. Let's fight until we get it. It'd be nice to see. Let's fight until we get it. Let's talk about real quick before we... Yeah, about two minutes. Let's wrap it minutes. up. Reno. Oklahoma State. Think so. <laughs> when are they? Not really any other teams, but yeah. Central's not. I don't. I don't think. So. I haven't even looked at the teams to be quite honest with you. I mean, field is not too bad, but it's not too great in terms of depth. I mean, I'm waiting for them to go to a two day event, and right now, it's you get six seven matches in a day. It just wears you out. Of course, it's right right in front of the high school tournament. The Beasties tried to do this. Uh, that's also coming up. In the, you know, we can talk about that a bit on Thursday. That's a great event. Iron Man was a couple weeks ago. But the Reno tournament has the college tournament preceding the high school tournament, which is great for recruiting. And the Beast did that a couple years ago as well. But the allure of it, I mean, it's just a grind. I mean, it's a, it's a long one day for these guys. Yeah, they make weight once. But, you know, if you lose early, don't go to the hotel because you're wrestling every 20 minutes. Next week we're going to have Jamie Moffat on his book, Wrestlers at the Triers. We're going to talk about that. And we'll get into the Randy Lewis-Leroy Smith match that was featured prominently in the book. And we're going to talk about other wrestling books, which I think is important during this holiday season. Ho, ho, ho. I'm going to bring in a couple that I own. I like and it. I'm going to bring in quite a few. I mean, some I like, some I don't like, but it doesn't matter. It's still, it's still education. We were talking about this last week. 
educate, read, 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 know your history. Read all you can about the sport, and I like that. So Jamie Moffitt is going to be on the program next week, so we're going to talk about his book, Wrestler at the Trials. We've had a great show. It was great talking with Brad Traviola from the NCAA Wrestling Committee. He's also with the Big Ten and, of course, NCAA runner-up in 1990. Great show today, Brian. I love it. I just called you by your last name. Yeah, it's not something I, I really go for it very much. But, well, okay, uh, Jason. Been a great show. Yeah, yeah. We're going to also do some, we got some interesting things we're going to try to do here in the future. Stay tuned for those, including maybe some satellite shows. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty amped about this. For Jason Bryant, I'm Kyle Klingman. You've been listening to Wrestling 411 Radio.